Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. Amen, amen. Everybody good this morning? Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. Glad you are with us. If you want to open up your Bibles this morning, you can turn to Acts chapter 2. As Emily noted earlier in the service, this is Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday. And so we have to look at Acts chapter 2 this morning. Uh, The title of today's message is A Harvest of Fire. A Harvest of Fire. I might even change that to An Ongoing Harvest of Fire. And uh, I just want to pick up Maybe where Emily left off this morning, I want to pick up in Acts chapter 2, and I think, Cody, I think I've got there. There we go. Perfect. Yeah, because Emily, Emily stopped this morning with, with people thinking that the people who had received the Holy Spirit were just drunk, right? So here's where we're picking up. Verse 14, it goes like this. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Hey! Listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. I mean, unless you're from Greene County. And then, you know, it's just, it's right on time, you know? What? I'm just... Guys, I'm from Greene County. I can make these jokes. Everybody boos me every time I do this. I live in Greene County. Yeah. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I'll pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they'll prophesy. And I'll I'll cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire, clouds of smoke. Sun will become dark. The moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. And we'll stop here. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What a great text this morning. Uh, I want to start here. I want to talk a little bit about maybe seeds and harvest. Seeds and harvest. Aren't seeds just the wildest thing? You ever hold a seed in your hand? You know, it's May in Kentucky, and the traditional wisdom is you plant your garden no earlier than Derby Day. You plant it earlier, you're probably going to lose it because we get these late frosts. But right around this time of year, people are out planting their gardens or maybe they're planting flowers. And, and maybe because of that, you, you held a seed in your hand. And seeds are just the wildest thing. They're these little dried up brown pieces of wood. You know, I mean, they don't look like they're alive, do they? Sometimes they even come in these little paper packets. Anybody ever buy seeds in paper packets? I mean, they're so dry, right? You open up the paper packet, you pour it out in your hand, and you're like... This little thing is a tree somehow. But you, you put it in the ground, and if you give it enough soil and enough water, all of a sudden, all of a sudden it just it springs, it springs to life. 
uh, that, that little seed will grow and turns into a plant that flowers and then fruits. And then when, when you pick the fruit, whatever that is, the fruit actually has what in it? More seeds. It's the craziest thing, isn't it? You know, nature just has this way of replenishing itself. And so I want to start there, but then I want to, want to ask you about this. How many of you have ever planted a garden? Maybe you, maybe you planted some tomatoes or maybe some cucumbers or some watermelons and you enjoyed them. You had tomatoes, you had cucumbers, you had watermelons. And then at the end of the year, the frost came and turned them all brown and you did some cleanup, right? You go out there and you, you cut things down, you get everything looking decent for winter. And then you have the long winter, five and a half gray months here in Kentucky where we just wonder, are we going to live? Are we going to like, by the time February rose, rolls around here, we're just all thinking we're never going to make it. But then spring comes back and maybe, maybe you go out to plant your garden again and you notice that in the edge of your garden, something has popped up. Anybody ever had this experience? And you're like, that's a watermelon. There's a watermelon in my garden and I didn't even plant it. Have you ever seen that before? Or maybe, maybe a tomato. You have, you have some plants that shoot up and, and we call those what? Volunteers, right? Yeah, you have these little, these little guys that just come up out of the ground even though you didn't physically plant them. They, they somehow fell out of the fruit from what was planted last year and they just reemerge. It's a, really, it's a pretty, cool, pretty cool text. It has this idea of ongoing harvest in it. And that's really what I want to talk to you about this morning. I want to talk to you about an ongoing harvest. And the idea here is that what started with Peter, James, and John, it eventually comes to us. That's really the idea. What started with the disciples and that 120 in the upper room, uh, it didn't stay there. It started with those people, but it didn't stay there. It didn't stay in that place. It didn't stay in that space. Uh, it didn't stay in that geography. Uh, it didn't stay in that time. In fact, it was transplanted throughout the world and throughout the ages until it reached you and until it reached me. It's, it's here today, this morning. And aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that you and I can enjoy the warmth of God's embrace uh, even today? It's not just a historical fact, but it's something that comes forward. It's something that comes forward. That you can feel the approval of your Father. Aren't you glad? And, and I hope you know uh, that God doesn't intend that it, would, that it would stop with us. He doesn't want to just bring it to us and then have it stop with us. But he wants to bring it to us and then he wants to pass it, he wants to pass it through us. A little bit of maybe context before we dig into the text more deeply this morning. Uh, when we read these 21 verses of Acts chapter 2, uh, here's essentially what's happened. Uh, Jesus has been crucified. He's been raised. He's hung out with the disciples. And then he's ascended. A few weeks ago, we had Ascension Sunday. He is in heaven, and the disciples seem to be without Jesus. And Jesus had told them, hey, don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere until, until the power comes upon you. And so when we read this morning in Acts chapter 2 that the Spirit falls on those 120 who are in the upper room, they've been praying, and they've been praying and waiting on the Spirit for about 10 days. They've actually been doing what Jesus says. And right up front, I would just like to say it's always good to do what Jesus says. Good things happen. You know, it may not happen like that. Maybe it'll take a day or two. Uh, the second thing you need to know about this morning's passage is this, is that it was, it was festival season. 
for the Jews. Uh, they had different feasts and they had different festivals throughout the year. And when, when the Spirit comes at Pentecost, it was right in the middle of another festival. It was one of them. Pentecost happens during what's known as the festival or the Feast of Weeks. And it's the festival devoted to the wheat harvest. It's a first fruit harvest. That's really, really what happens. And so the first fruits of the wheat harvest, they were brought in during this festival. Uh, they were not only blessed, but they were, they were ground and they were turned into bread. And one of the things that would happen during this festival is that two loaves of bread would be waved before the Lord. It was, it was as though the people were saying, God, thank you for this first bit of wheat. Uh, thank you for this first bit of bread. And we're thanking you because we know there'll be more come later. Right? So you show up before God and you say, hey, you know what? We didn't make this happen. It's, it's you, God. We know that all of our life comes from you. And you just, you just hold the fruits of that wheat up to God and you say, let there be more. Right? And I love this because it's kind of a picture, isn't it? Uh, it's kind of a picture when you put these two, these two ideas together, that there'd be this festival of wheat, this festival of the first fruits, and then at the same time, the coming of the Spirit, the coming of, of the, the power and the presence and the embrace and the warmth of God, uh, right at Pentecost. And, and when it happens with those first 120, it quickly becomes 3,000. And if you think about the church through, throughout the ages, you realize that what happened in Acts chapter 2, it was basically the first two loaves of bread held up before God, right? And it was, it was as though God was saying, what happens on this day will be the first fruits of a harvest that keeps rolling throughout the ages. It doesn't stop with Peter, James, and John. It keeps moving forward. That'd be one way to understand this passage. Well, I want to say three things in particular about this passage, and I think I have a little tiny outline. So if you want an outline this morning, you can have an outline. Here's one. I want to talk about three things this morning. Number one, I want to talk about to you, through you. Number two, I want to talk about inside and then outside. And then number three, I just want to finish with what we need. Okay? So if you want to take a picture of that, you can, or if you want to write it down in some notes, you can. To you, through you, inside, outside, what we need. Number one, to you, through you. I want to start with this quote from one of my dear friends and one of my mentors in the vineyard. It's a guy named Steve Nicholson. Uh, from the Evanston Vineyard. Steve, Steve often says this, what God does through you, he first wants to do to you. Or to say it another way, in order for God to do the things he wants to do through you, he first has to do it to you. And there is no passage in the whole Bible that is a better example of that than Acts chapter 2. You know, what God wants to do is he wants to take that that harvest, that harvest of his embrace, that harvest of his love, that harvest of his warmth. Uh, he wants to spread it to the whole world. But one of the things he has to do, Brian, is he has to do it to you. Did you know that? Like, how many of you know you can't give away what you don't have? And you can't share what you haven't experienced, right? He, God wants to do something not just through us, but first, church, here's the thing. He wants to do it to you. He wants to do it to you. God wants to pour out his spirit. And the text this morning says that he wants to pour out his spirit on all flesh. And here's what you need to hear in that. No one gets left out. I hope you notice that when Peter is quoting 
Uh, Joel, the prophet, he's saying it's like, it's on men, it's on women. By the way, that would have been a shocker in these days. People would be like, what, even the girls? Yes, even the girls. It's on the young, it's on the old, it's on, it's on the free people. And Joel says, even the slaves, even the oppressed, God wants to pour out his spirit on everyone. Like the person you think that is most far from God or the person you think is most undeserving, some of us here feel undeserving. And God would say to you, I want to give you the treasure of my power and my embrace. You are included. But in order to do that, God doesn't want to just pass it through you. He has to do it to you first. He has to do it to you. And the way this happens is God wants to do something to us, and then he wants to move something through us. The disciples this morning, they were in the upper room praying, and the Spirit comes to them. Uh, the Spirit falls on everybody. They begin to speak in other languages. And I hope you notice that all those different kinds of people that Emily read so well to us this morning, see, I made her read that. I didn't want to do that. That's a, that's a, that's, and she practiced. This is, by the way, if you ever become a pastor, this is what you do. You just, you just have your first mate Read all the stuff you don't want to read. You know, they'll practice and I look like a genius, you know. But I hope you notice that in that passage, there's all these different kinds of people, right? They're all in Jerusalem. Why? They're in for the festival. That's why. And God begins to speak to them and he speaks to them in their own language through people. But first, because he had done something to someone, right? God does something to the disciples, to Peter, to James, to John. And then when the Spirit comes to them, he begins to move through them. Uh, one of the things I'd like to say about to you, through you, is one way of understanding your lifelong discipleship to Jesus is exactly that. God wants to do some things to you so that he can move those things through you. And some of us in the room, we've had experiences with God. Uh, some of us in the room have had dramatic experiences of, with God. Or maybe some of us in the room have had um, an accumulating slow experience that in the rearview mirror you realize is really big. Like you're a really different person now than you used to be. And I just want to say, praise God for that. Now he wants to do something in this next phase of your life, and it's about going through you. Like everybody here. Uh, some of us in the room have come from really traumatic backgrounds, and God has healed you. Here's what I want to say to you. If God has healed some trauma in, his li in your life, he's done something to you. Now he wants to move that healing through you to other people who are traumatized. This is the way it works. God comes to us and then he moves through us. If God has baptized you powerfully in the spirit, he wants to move to you now, but he wants to go through you to other people around. Uh, if God has delivered you from addiction uh, to any sort of substance or to any sort of behavior, God doesn't want to just set you free. God wants to use you to set people free. That's the Christian life. That's your discipleship. It can't stop with just two. It has to move through. That's the way it works. This is the way it works. And often what God does in us is what God wants to do through us. And this is why it's so important for us to have some awareness of our story. Like, what has God done in you? What is, what is God doing in you today? Like, what God is doing in you today is actually what he wants to do through you tomorrow with the people around you. To you, through you. Number two, inside and outside. Maybe another way of saying something that's sort of similar but kind of different, and it's from the text this morning, is this idea of inside and then outside. It's one of the things that sort of 
stood out to me most this week as I was praying through the passage. There's very clearly action that happens inside in this passage, and then there's this other set of action that happens outside. So the inside action is there's 120 people doing what Jesus said, waiting in Jerusalem until the Spirit comes. And they're waiting by praying. And it says that they're upstairs, behind closed doors, inside. But when the Spirit comes, how many of you notice that they don't stay inside? In fact, they can't stay inside. They have to go outside. And they're, they're out in the streets, and people are like, Really confused. Really confused. Like people are like, these people are nuts. Some people are thinking, these people are drunk. Uh, But all of a sudden, what was inside begins to go outside. What was interior becomes exterior. What was was private becomes public. And this this is something we were talking about a lot in January and early February at the church uh, here this year. Do you remember how uh, Emily and I began the year by talking about being a church that's leaning outward, that's looking out into our community, that, is, that has a, a vision that isn't just to what's happening here, but is looking out. Like, what's happening in Campbellsville? Like, what's happening, what's happening in Greensburg and Marion County? What's happening at my school? What's happening in my neighborhood? Who are the people that live around me? Uh, one way of understanding uh, your discipleship, besides to you, through you, another way of Understanding your lifelong discipleship is inside to outside. Like God wants to do some stuff inside, like inside your heart, and then he wants to move it outside to other people. Uh, God wants to do some stuff that's inside. He wants to do some things inside this room, and then he wants to take what's inside this room and he wants to put it outside. Uh, what What is of the Spirit can never remain private. What is of the Spirit can never remain insular. What is of the Holy Spirit can never remain closeted. What is of the Spirit can never remain hidden away. What is of the Spirit is always moving outward, especially to the other. Did you notice that the passage that Emily read this morning, there's all those different kinds of people? So many different kinds of people. It's the Bible's way of saying that the Spirit is for the other person. The Spirit is for, is for the people out there. Uh, so what I would like to say to the vineyard this morning is, we love the Holy Spirit, but what I would like to say is, we can't be true Holy Spirit people and just be inside people. We have to be outside people. Like, the real work of the Spirit, it is to you, but eventually moves through you. The real work of the Spirit does happen here, but whatever happens here on a Sunday morning, this is, this is just the place where we build muscle memory for what happens out in the world. Like, like if I can't take the work of God to Kroger or to my school or to my neighborhood, I've missed it. I've missed it. Like I've totally missed it. If I can't take it to work, if I can't take the work of the Spirit on my Zoom calls, if I can't take it to school, I'm just missing it. What God does to us on the inside and in private, he wants to take outside and to the public. And I hope you noticed, I hope you noticed, and this is all the way through, the book of Acts, not just one and two, but I, if you read the whole book of Acts, the, the, the way this thing goes is it just becomes increasingly public. And the harder it gets, the more the Spirit touches someone. Like if you read the book of Acts, if you read the book of Acts, like after chapter two, almost every time someone is baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's when they're opposed Like Jesus said, he even told his disciples at the very beginning, he said, listen, when someone opposes you, I will be with you. 
And then he, he just, he does it over and over again. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John get in trouble for healing somebody in Acts chapter 3 uh, at the temple, right? Creates this stir. The leaders drag them in. They're like, what are you guys doing? We don't want you talking in Jesus' name. And they're like, I don't know who you are, but we can't help it. And it says that they got baptized with the Spirit again. What? Baptized with boldness, right? What is inside cannot remain inside. It has to go outside. It has to go outside. And that makes some of us nervous, but here's what I want you to know. That the Spirit of God will be with you in the most dramatic ways outside, not inside. It starts inside, but it grows. It grows to you, through you, inside, outside. I want to give you a couple hindrances to harvest this morning. There's a couple hindrances to this kind of ongoing harvest. Number one, it's settling for mere knowledge instead of pursuing experience and communion with God. Like some of us here, and we know the Bible, like we know the story, we know the verses, we can do a, a Sunday school lesson, we can put it on a felt board, uh, we could teach it at a university class, we have it memorized, we know where, we know where it's at, right? We, 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 can, we can grasp the theories. Some of us here could, could stand up this morning and we could give a long lecture about the baptism of the Spirit. We could give a long lecture about Pentecost, we could give a long lecture about knowing God and, 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 and the fire of his presence. We could talk about it. We could even tell some stories from church history, but we haven't experienced it for ourselves. That's a huge hindrance to harvest. Like he wants to do it to you. He wants to do it in your life. Eventually, that mode of discipleship will grow boring and stale and lifeless. Some of us here are bored because we're settling, we're settling for intellectual outside knowledge. But what we need is we need an interior experience with, with the fire of God. That's what we need. That's what you need. That's what I need. Uh, number two, hindrance to harvest. Number two, uh, the individual, individualization of my faith. This, this one works a little different. It, it goes kind of like this. We have an encounter or we get, a bit of, we get a bit of healing or we find a community. We get a couple friends. Uh, we allow God to come close to us. He begins to do something in our life. Not something fake, but something very real. Uh, we come to church and we, we find some friends. Uh, we come to church and somebody prays for us and begins to, begins to heal the hurt in my heart. Uh, we come to church and we find that God is taking bitterness off of us. Or we come to church and, and, and we actually get healed physically. Or, or maybe somebody prays with us and, and, and all of a sudden years of like anxiety just leave us. And, and, and God is actually doing some stuff in our lives. And we become... Very aware of our need. In fact, we, we become increasingly aware of our own personal need. Uh, we become increasingly aware of our lack, our pain. We become aware of our life. Uh, but we miss the fact that God doesn't want to just do something to us that he wants to move through us. And we miss, we miss what he's done and given and poured out. Uh, we miss the fact that he actually wants to share that with the world. And so our discipleship becomes stale. Others of us here, maybe this morning, uh, maybe your relationship with God is stale. And here, here's one, one reason it might be stale. Uh, he really has done stuff to you, but you haven't allowed him to move through you. you you're, you know, you, you're just living increasingly aware of, of, of your own need. I'm just living more and more aware of my own need. Uh, I get prayer all the time. I get prayer all the time. I get prayer all the time. Uh, I, I'm living more and more inside. I never go outside. I'm becoming more and more insular. My life is becoming smaller I literally have no non-Christian friends now. 
Everybody's just a Christian, you know? And all of a sudden, it becomes very stale. Very stale. Here's what I want you to know. You have to let God do something to you, but then you have to let him move you. It has to move through you. That's where the freshness comes. Let me just make this practical for us in the room. Uh, Number one, everybody here should have friends that are non-Christians. If you're a Christian for more than five or six years, studies show you you end up with no no non-Christian friends. That's a bad thing. We need non-Christian friends. Uh, Let me make this really, really practical for us. Uh, the people that we work with and the, and the neighbors that live around us right now, those are the people that God wants to move through you. He, the things that he's done to you, he wants to move through you. Like that, it's it. Like we, maybe he'll send you to the other side of the globe, but probably it's just across the street. Like probably. Okay, number three. It's what we need. It's what we need. This kind of a harvest of fire, it's what we need. The world will not be shaken with spiritless Christianity. The world will not be shaken with spiritless Christianity. Uh, The world will not be shaken with intellectual brilliance. It just won't. Uh, Jesus, I just want to remind you a few things here. Uh, Jesus was baptized with the Spirit. Uh, He did nothing without the power of the Spirit. Jesus was baptized with the Spirit. Uh, He did no ministry without the Spirit. Uh, Jesus did no miracles before his baptism. Not only that, uh, the disciples were told to wait in Jerusalem for the Spirit to be poured out. They waited uh, and they prayed. Not only that, but John Wesley. Y'all remember John Wesley? Maybe you have heard that name. John Wesley is the founder of the... Methodist movement. Uh, John Wesley spent time with the Moravians and he wrote in his journal, my heart was strangely warmed. That's a Puritan way of saying he got slammed by the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Jesus was baptized in the Spirit. All of the disciples were baptized in the Spirit. John Wesley was baptized in the Spirit. And then in our own vineyard story, I love this. And not just, I'm talking local here, but I'm talking the bigger V vineyard. In our own vineyard story, it was on Mother's Day in 1980 when a ex-drug addict hippie named Lonnie Frisbee came and preached in front of John Wimber that the power of the Spirit hit the vineyard in a way that made it global. That was where the prayer, come Holy Spirit, was first prayed in the vineyard. And if you want to, you can, you can go on YouTube and you can listen to Lonnie's Mother's Day message. And at the end, when he prays, come Holy Spirit, you can hear the power of the Spirit hit that room and metal chairs hit the deck. It's unbelievable. Jesus was baptized in the Spirit. All of the disciples were baptized in the Spirit. Men and women like John Wesley ex-drug addict, hippie people from the desert of California, Lonnie Frisbee on Mother's Day. Imagine on Mother's Day, on the kids are in the room, you know? The kids are in the room. Yeah, this is, this is our own history. Jesus receives 
the Spirit. The disciples needed the Spirit. All the saints in the church and in church history needed the Spirit. And it's the same for us today. Uh, no one in the room is different. I'm not different. I'm not different. Uh, we, need, we need the breath of God. Uh, the church the church cannot be the church without the empowering presence uh, of the Spirit. And here's what I would like to say to this church this morning. The world will not change with political parties. Uh, the world will not change by elections or, or another news network. The world will not become a fountain of blessing and justice by more social media shouting. And Christianity that is formed only one hour a week at church will not produce the disciples that live in the mold of Jesus the founder. It just won't. Cultural Christianity won't do it. It won't do it. Coming here for an hour on Sunday, you know, a couple times a month, it won't do it. Uh, you know, here's the thing. I love sports. I love all that stuff. But if we're not empowered by the Spirit to let God to do something to us and then through us, it just won't work. Cultural Christianity will not satisfy you. It will not change the world. Uh, we will not live in the depths of what God has called us to or in the things that are possible. We will just not do it. Cultural Christianity is a joke. One hour a week, it won't catch it. We need something different. And by the way, I'm not arguing for you to come to church even more. I'm arguing for you to let the Spirit go deeper into your life and move you out. Not come here more. Go out there more. That's what I'm actually arguing for, right? Like we can't spend more time doing travel ball than we do saying, Jesus, would you move to me and through me? We just can't do it. We can't do it. Cultural Christianity is bankrupt, it is bankrupt. It's one of the reasons why people are hitting the wall and walking out. It is why they're hitting the wall and going, well, that didn't work. No, it actually didn't work and it wasn't supposed to work. You can't do it on your own. You can't do it in your strength. You can't do it on your own. You can't do it in your strength. I need the empowering presence of the Spirit to touch my life. That's what we need. That is what we need. It is the thing we've always needed. There's nothing else. There's not a Bible study that's going to do it. There's not a spiritual direction session that's going to do it. There's not a counseling session that's going to do it. I love all of those things. I recommend them often. What we need is the power of the Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. And here's, the, here's what we want to do this morning. We want to make a little space at the end of the service, just to say, God, would you touch us again? You know, that's what we want to do. But it's not just one Sunday. It's like, it's not just this Sunday. It is, it is saying, God, would you open up my heart and would you do something to me? And God, would you give me the boldness and courage to begin to share that in whatever way that you prompt me with the people who are around me? That's how the fire keeps spreading. There's a reason that it was tongues of fire that touched the disciples. There's a reason why, because it's, it's, the, the fire of Jesus is, is spread primarily through speech, and, and it's a fire because fire spreads. That's the picture. God did not intend for it to stay in Jerusalem in an upper room. He didn't intend for it to stay with one person. How many of you know, how many of you know, if we set this room on fire, the whole building's going to burn? And if God sets your life, if your life on fire, you know, your whole family's going to burn. And if, and if he gets a hold of one person in this room, it could change the whole town. It takes one tongue of fire. Fire spreads, and it happens through the things we say. It happens through the, through the orientation of the speech that we have, through the testimony that we have, through, the, through the, the experiences that we have with Jesus, and we just share it. 
Uh, did you notice that when Peter preaches in Acts chapter 2, he's not making things up. He's simply saying what happened. That's all we have to do. How does the fire of the Spirit spread? It happens when we say to the people who are living around us, this resurrected Jesus changed my life, and here's how he can do it for you as well. That's it. You don't have to make it happen. He will back the story up every single time. And we need the power of the Spirit. We need the power of the Spirit. I think I've done enough. I'm about to start preaching, y'all. Like, you don't even know. I'm about to high kick. My jeans, my jeans are a little tight, though. Can't get my leg up. I'm 50. All right, if you're on the band, come on up. If you're not on the band, stand up. And we're going to pray, and we're going to sing one more time. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time. <laughs>